Well, welcome, friends. We are so glad to have you with us for another episode of The Collective Podcast, where we strive to serve the church and bless the city. Each episode is going to encourage us through highlighting beautifully ordinary women living extraordinary lives of faithfulness. These women come from all areas of life, all ages, stages, and places. And I hope that the lives of these women challenge us to be all God has created us to be. And I hope it calls us toward our next step of faithfulness, our next best yes. Well, friends, we've got an amazing episode in store for you today. And joining me is my delightfully lovely, blonde and bold, and beautiful co-host, Chelsea Shea-Friesen. Welcome, Chelsea. Hi, y'all. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. And um, this is an important episode, I think, because our nation has been in racial upheaval over the last few weeks, but really it's just been ignited due to 400 years of struggle, uh, of a sin struggle that has been truly plaguing our nation. And it's been highlighted specifically in the deaths of black men and women throughout the years. But thankfully, there has been, you know, an ember that's been lit through the deaths of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and many others. And I when I say thankfully, I don't mean that their deaths are something to rejoice in. It's something that's tragic, but it's, it's woken up a nation to, if we have not been having this conversation, we need to be having this conversation. And so much so that we did an event a few weeks ago just to lock arms with the women in our church body to kind of help people process, give women space to lament and grieve. And ultimately, as always, remember that this at its core is a problem of sin. And in order for us to rectify, to grow, to reconcile, we have to reconcile our hearts first to the Lord and second to one another. And so we really want to delve deeper into that today, and we're really, really excited about it. Yes, and joining us today is one of the most respected and trustworthy women I know. We want everyone to meet our amazing friend, Elizabeth Hoffman. She's the Impact Area Coordinator for Watermark, and on top of that, she's a fierce voice for unity in the church. So Eve, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do for fun, what you're passionate about. What what an intro. (laughs) So good. Um, Man, I love so many things. Um, My team jokes that I'm passionate about everything, but um, traveling is at the top of the list. Um, Love to travel. Love everything about that. I love baking. Um, Soccer was the first love of my life obsessed with it the sport's phenomenal it's the world's favorite sport in case you didn't know um quick question is it soccer or football i call it soccer because i'm from america (laughs) (laughs) i love it well today we're talking about racial injustice and you have been a faithful voice of clarity on this subject for me personally so i'd love for you to tell our friends listening why you're passionate about this subject and what point of view you're coming to the conversation from sure um man so I started, um, I became a believer when I was in elementary school, um, probably third grade-ish. And, and I grew up in West Plano. And so I would think that just in the way that I process things and the way that my family processes things, I think that I suppressed a lot of the thing, the experiences that I went through um, being an African-American in Plano, Texas. Mm-hmm. And so um, then going through college and really not following the Lord. Um, and then in my mid twenties, uh, coming to watermark and really becoming very serious about my relationship with God. Um, he has grown a passion for me, uh, just for justice Mm -hmm. in general. And so just like, I mean, my 
two favorite verses in the Bible are Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, but um, speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves is essentially what it's saying. And I live by that. I love it. Two favorite verses. And so um, I have, since then, he's just grown a passion for me um, and me processing my own story and really processing through things that I suppressed growing up um, and now getting the opportunity really to speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves or don't know how to, or are also suppressing it in some way. And so, um, you know, being at Watermark, just even the ability to help people have this conversation for the very first times in their lives, I live for Mm. it. It is my favorite thing. It brings me so much joy and energy and that only comes from the Lord. Yeah. And you're so, so gifted at it and so patient with it. I mean, and, and that's something that's been so encouraging to me. You, and many people have been having this conversation for years. So this is not the beginning of this conversation. But in light of recent, you know, events and recent conversations regarding, you know, just the truly like divisive place we find ourselves in as a country, how has that make you feel personally right now? Oh, um, heavy mm-hmm. is probably the first word that I can express. <laughs> um, I think just the heaviness of just of grief in general um, that. I mean, my heart physically hurts, and I have processed this in my own life. But just seeing the turmoil, um, it makes it makes me really heavy. Um, and then also watching people again having conversations for the first time um, about this, grieving for the first time themselves, and me remembering what that feels mm-hmm. like, and just I mean, heavy. And then at the same time, just burdened to help in any way that I can while process- processing my own grief is woof. <laughs> That's my favorite Elizabeth Hoffman phrase. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's a lot. Well, yeah. And I think like to bear someone else's, the weight of someone else's grief while you're carrying your own can feel like excruciating. And I've also watched you in the midst of it, though, be like heavy but hopeful. I mean, I never leave a conversation from you without going, okay. Like I feel like I've specifically told you as we, every time I leave, like onward Christian soldier, you know, and that's what I sense in you, this like charge almost which has just been an encouragement to me truly so thank yeah. you yeah i mean what we're like you used the word division earlier that's what we're looking at and we have three enemies in this world and it's the world satan and our own flesh mm-hmm. and it's like what the division is literally all three of those things yes. and so it's i mean the hope comes from the fact that this is not how it's going to end we know how it's going to end jesus is going to overcome it all he's our ultimate judge and we have the ability to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven right now, but we need to get past the division and push past it, even though it's uncomfortable. Yeah. So speaking of the division, what has the issue of racial injustice looked like in your personal experience, in your home, in your family, in recent years and years past? I guess to say, how does this hit close to home, this topic? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am aware that I am kind of different <laughs> um, in that, again, I, uh, I'm black and grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, went to a predominantly white school, and that's not a lot of people's stories. I mean, it it's just not that I've met. I mean, I've, I've met several people like myself, but that's not normal. And so um, for me, it has looked like, I mean, my parents just being very like open and honest with us. And you've heard, I'm sure people listening have heard a lot about the quote unquote talk that parents have with their mm-hmm. kids. Um, that I'm, I think it's probably, predominantly black kids that have this specific conversation. I've had 
conversations with Asian friends who had different conversations and Hispanic friends who had different mm-hmm. conversations. But for me, it was uh, a little bit different with my sisters and my cousin. My cousin was, uh, his name was Robert. Anyway, he lived with our family and he's my exact age. And so his conversations looked a little bit different from mm-hmm. mine because he is more of a, a, a threat, I think, to other people in our in our neighborhood growing perceived, up. So it was like perceived, mm-hmm. perceived, right. And so for us, it looked like my parents being open and honest about naming us our specific names. So I'm Elizabeth and my sisters are Adrian, Victoria, Jacqueline, Catherine. So we have names that if you were to put them on a transcript and send them into college or on job application, nobody would think mm. twice about discriminating against us for our names. So that's a thing. Um, Suspicious neighbors, but that was more on Robertson, but just people questioning often. Um, he was like running in the neighborhood or just like walking because we were kids, right? We were playing just in the parks and whatever. And um, people would, you know, question if he belonged there or not. Um, and he wound up having to give his like our address to strangers, which you never should do as yeah. a child. Like we were, all, we were taught that too. Like don't ever give your address to a stranger. But he had to do that to like qualify himself. And so that's not my personal experience, but one that we sat through conversations about with our parents um, being made fun of uh, at church. So we went to a predominantly black church, even though I went to predominantly white school and um, and I never felt fully accepted at church. And just amongst those kids, I think it was like me and then some girls that went to private school who were kind of like seen as other men, like we're just different. Um, And then. And same with the black kids at school. Never felt like um, I really fit in in either of those. But played soccer, loved my teammates. I loved high school, but just never, I think I suppressed those feelings for many, many years. Um, aesthetics, going out in public. Uh, just my, my, so my mom was always, you know, very clear about like, get your nails done, like <laughs> dress up, like make sure you're fully put together every single time you go out in public. Yeah. Um, so that you aren't perceived as, like, a threat in some way. I'm, like, over here getting teary, and I just want to, like, stop us. And, like, I've, like, heard different parts of your story. Like, oh, so much of this I already know. But, like, there's something so powerful about when you hear in, in total of, like, this is my life experience that I'm just, like, like, almost, like, grieving afresh again that, like, your parents had to think about what they were naming you and how beautiful the, the like their love, their sacrificial love for you in that. But also that like, man, that might, that needs to, that might show someone today listening of like, this is the situation that our world is in where parents would consider what to name their kids so that it might set them up to not receive discrimination is just really powerful. So I don't want to like derail us, but I just am like moved by that and just, um, thank you for sharing it. And I know, I know we're all going to have like obstacles or barriers that we've got to overcome when we're starting to just consider, Hey God, what's my, what's my role in this? Because I, as your friend too, and we talk a lot about just the idea of like, if you struggle with this concept, sit down with one of your friends and go, what is your experience like? Because that just breeds intimacy. Like I, right now I'm like, show me the park. Let's go beat them up. Like (laughs) it, it, it fires us up the humanity in us. Yes. And so I know we've all got kind of barriers and obstacles that we've got to overcome and kind of going, Hey, what's my role in 
being in pursuit of restorative justice? What's my role in educating myself? And so what would you think that would be some of those obstacles? And then what are some of the lies that specifically women are believing that might keep them from doing the work they need to do in this conversation? Yeah. Okay. So I am so passionate about this. Um, So I'm going to separate women of color from white women because it really is two different like pieces of advice, Mm -hmm. right? Sure. In general, or just from like what I'm seeing and observing in the world at the moment. So for women of color first, I would say that the world is telling us to um, use our voice and we might feel like we've never had a voice ever and we are now confident in using it and I'm like yes <laughs> let's use our voices for sure but at the same time it's like what's the motivation behind that though the world is telling you to use your voice um to maybe you know I don't know say like we shouldn't owe white people anything or we shouldn't um we shouldn't feel like we have to share a story over and over again but when it like when I'm seeing um people kind of put a stiff arm to other people um and saying like I don't owe you anything it's like oh that is not a heart that comes from the Lord and and I understand where that's coming from because I felt I felt the grief and the hurt and the pain that comes from um of wanting to stiff arm people like we're human beings of course but for me and I wonder if people identify with this it is a an anger that isn't a righteous anger I mean the Lord is also angry at this (laughs) of course more angry than we are but for us to have righteous anger absolutely but it's going to because we're fallen human beings grow a root of bitterness that will lead us to sin period end of story it just always will and so if we do not confess that um, anger or grief that has led to a root of bitterness or whatever is leading to any bitterness that is that is causing us to want to um, say no thank you to relationships with people um, that is something that we need to be confessing and something that we need to be um repenting of and and actively trying to turn away from that and fighting against it. Wow, that's so good. So if you are a woman of color and you just heard that and that was discouraging to you and that might have raised your blood pressure a bit, <laughs> I I uh, I understand and that I, and I get it and I, I I'm taking the risk in in saying that to you because unity is at stake and um, we cannot have this conversation without every single ethnicity represented. And so if you are taking yourself out of the game or allowing yourself to sit in, um, to sit in a place where you are, are not able to have a productive conversation with someone, um, please, 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 like work through that with the Lord um, and with community because, I, I mean, we can't run this race without you. And then I would say white women would be the, the second group. And I would say <laughs> you might be talking to somebody who has, um, years and years and years of hurt and pain and grief that you are entering into um, and they might not be in the healthiest spot to receive your questions mm-hmm. and you might get hurt from that and I'm so sorry <laughs> but at the same time what does it look like to push through that knowing that that's not about you unless there's an actual conflict that's brought to your attention that you need to work through. But otherwise, you need to be relentlessly pursuing people like the Lord relentlessly pursues us and not giving up because it's worth it because unity in the body of Christ is at stake. And something I think as a white woman that I feel like as I've talked with friends, there's been a conversation around like 
be feeling paralyzed or feeling numb to it or feeling maybe like a lack of ownership or responsibility. And I think what you're trying to encourage women and what I would encourage you as a white woman to do is, hey, just because this doesn't feel like it directly affects you or maybe because you don't have those relationships doesn't mean it isn't a cause worth championing for the cause of Christ to be empathetic, to be soft hearted and to not let it be a flash in the pan for it to be something you do continue to do the work on. Yeah, and and I would say also, if you do not think that it personally affects you, my question back to you would be, do you have friends of color whose perspectives you um, are praying for because they've affected your yes. life? So if you, have, if you don't have people that you are actively praying for to overcome whatever they've got going on, um, that how, however they might be affected by this personally, mm-hmm. then you, you have already missed it. Yeah. And there's grace. And it's just to say, hey, be aware, take stock. Don't sit in shame around it. And then from there, take empathy and have that listening ear that pursues that that differing perspective. Yes. And and that empathy is not going to come from you just reading or yeah. um, like it's going to come from relationship, period, end of story. And, you know, I will just say a caveat for if if you're a white woman and anything that Elizabeth just said made your arm hairs prickle or kind of roughed up a feeling of defensiveness in you that's okay we get it um but at the same time in the same way we receive anything that's hard to hear let's put it before the lord and spend some time with him on god what is my right next step given what i've heard today because there's some work for us to do no matter where we find ourselves we talked a little bit about that at our last collective event, and we talked about in Ecclesiastes how it says there's a time for everything under the sun. There's a time to mourn. And so that timing of kind of how long is going to be different for everyone, and eventually the kindness of the Holy Spirit is going to move all of us forward in our next steps of faithfulness. If we're not, you know, being paralyzed by our guilt, <laughs> we've got to move through that. Um, but what I'd want to ask you is how do we as followers of Christ start taking steps forward? That's a great question. So we've, um, I've had countless conversations with women over the years, men too, but um, what's been really interesting is that people have, you know, who have, I've had conversations with in the past, um, have come back and like, I feel so stuck. What do I do? I know we've talked about this a lot. We've sat through groups together. Like, what do I do? And I think that the, um, the lack of practice of having conversation continues to paralyze people too. So again, if you don't have relationships with people that do not look like you or just are not like you at all, that could be, I mean, that could be socioeconomically mm-hmm. and it could be ethnically, like pick one. But at the same time, if you are not actively practicing having those conversations, you're going to be paralyzed. And so I've, I've seen that in my friends. And so I would say um, even if like you can start today, you can start in an hour mm-hmm. if you want to. If you don't have friends of color, that's fine. Just start practicing having the conversation. Circle up with your people. Yeah. I don't care who your people are. And just start talking about it. Just start saying, ooh, this this is hard. Yeah. I've never talked about this, but let's just start. And know that you're going to be imperfect at it. Of course you are. So am I. You're a human being. But just know that you're going to mess up and you're not going to get the words all right. But just start figuring out what you think about it. You have your own opinions. You have your own experiences that you're bringing to the table. And just start unpacking it. And so I know that women are listening are like, great. What (laughs) books do I read? What movies do you want me to watch? Like, and those all have their place for sure. Resources are important. But what would you say in that regard? Well, I love a documentary myself. The books are great. There's so the world at this point has given you all of them. So 
I would say, like you have the list already, but at the same time, the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Second uh, Timothy three sixteen through 17 says that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training up in righteousness. And so, y'all, <laughs> you are a believer. You are a Jesus follower, and the Bible is it. It's it. It's the only thing that's going to make you look different in any realm of your life, and that does not— um, I mean, this applies to this as well. It applies to, you know, to racial injustice. And so it, it's not some box that's just over in the side and it doesn't apply. It's like, you know exactly what to do. You you would go to the Bible, hopefully for really anything else, to begin an understanding of something that you don't know. And so I would say if you, I mean, if you just look at Ephesians 4 and 5 about how we're supposed to treat each other and be in community together, just the fact that we are a family, that we are, um, there's unity between believers and how we are supposed to treat each other and um, and and live well together by turning the other cheek and leaving um, revenge to the Lord and I mean there's just so many there are so many passages about how we are supposed to relate with one another in Scripture. Mm. I love that you brought the gospel into this conversation because I feel like when we've talked about it in the past we continue to say it's the thing that's missing and and that Scripture is single handedly the most relevant resource you will ever have for this conversation and so. With that in mind, how have you personally seen the Lord working for his name and his glory in this just upheaval that we're in right now? Yeah, um, how he's working really in every way. So the fact that the fact that people are even wanting to talk about this, mm-hmm. um, one in the world, especially in our country, but at our own church, I'm jazzed about it. <laughs> jazzed. I'm jazzed. You just got two inches closer to the microphone. <laughs> I did. I'm excited. <laughs> and I got some chills on my arms. Um, but really, wholeheartedly so pumped that people want to talk about this. This is um, something that some friends and I have talked about for years and have led groups on and gone through curriculums. And I mean, just honestly, I had to like beg people to talk about this at all. And now the fact that people are coming and wanting to learn and wanting to figure out resources and we're doing this podcast, it's like, what's happening right now? Mm-hmm. That's insane to me. I love it. I think you were saying earlier that you had had 68 conversations about this in the last couple of weeks. Yes. I mean, that's mind blowing. That's a lot of combos. That's a lot of talking. Yeah, that's a lot. But it's nuts. It is. But at the same time, it's, I mean, it is encouraging. People are just really humble in the fact that they are just so shocked that they just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, and And I've also sat with a lot of friends who are grieved but also ready to move and just ready to like get after it and are asking what to do but at the same time just really struggling in their own community groups with people who are apathetic Mm -hmm. and um because that exists too just the the whole um I don't know how this affects me or or even I see how it affects me like I see how it's supposed to affect me but I am maybe exempt because I'm not around people of color and so therefore I can't have those conversations and so all of that applies here, but at, at the end of the day, there are so many people that are ready to roll. And so I would say um, we have these really great racial reconciliation classes, and they're not classes, but they're more groups. It's yeah. like a discussion group. I hate the word class. Totally. Like I'm not teaching you anything. In fact, we're all Oh, learning. yes, you are. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, we're going through somebody else's curriculum. Yeah. So it's like. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's a group, and, and it's so incredible. We've had women who have gone through these groups like four and five times, like yeah, ready wow. to lead. It's amazing. Char and James and a man named Berlin LaFall are, are leading them right now. Mm. And they are just 
so grace-filled, so patient, so on fire for helping people um, dive into this. And and it's it's incredible. And this is how God works, because we could look at this and go, okay, cool, 150 people out of a 12,000-person church have gone through you know, racial reconciliation groups. But at the same time, you can go, 150 people like who are now having conversations differently they're living their lives differently and they're pursuing justice in a new and different way Mm -hmm. and I only see that continuing yes and it's and they and people are we are all still growing together we've got like group me's and we're all like leaning on each other in this and asking each other questions and encouraging each other and um and at this point I mean it's been like two and a half years so like we're even spread out across the city across the country people have moved gone to other churches for whatever reason and it's just still unified and supporting one another and it's beautiful yeah god is definitely working in and through this conversation and things like that that's amazing it is what about you like in your own heart yeah because i would think you are i'm watching you throughout your days and you are giving 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 and fighting and fighting in such a righteous way that if when you come back between you and the lord in the secret place and in the (laughs) times of quiet if he is not refilling your soul I don't think I could watch you get up another day because of how much you give out each day. And so what is he, what's he specifically sharing in your heart and teaching you? Yeah. Well, one, I definitely struggle with self-sufficiency. Um, and so if this is, if that is the biggest lesson that I've learned, um, and just truly having humility for the first time in my life, just after the last two years of, um, being on staff here, just going through the fellowship and then my first year, Mm -hmm. like full time, um, humility and knowing that I cannot be self-sufficient like there is for the first time can say there's nothing that I can do that is good and there's no and I can do no good apart from the Lord and I like wholeheartedly believe that for the first time in my life um and so that said I still try really hard to be self-sufficient yeah (laughs) I really do and like today is one of those days Mm. and so um yes the Lord fills me back up but it is um like physical exhaustion that will stop me from like wanting to like get up and spend time with him in the morning. Um, and so then, and I see the effects of it in my day. Like yeah. I'm, I'm shorter and less patient and, um, and I'm having to like the, everybody talks about, I mean, you guys have said it, but just like, Oh, so grace filled. So, and I'm like, okay, yes. <laughs> but sometimes it's, it's out of my own strength and I feel that. So, I hear you, and I don't want to put you up on too big a pedestal, mm. and I won't. I'm just going to take you back off. But okay, please. you are a passionate pursuer of unity and peace, and you are a soldier for the gospel. And so I also get to watch you get so excited about this conversation. And so when you think about the future, like when you kind of let yourself go, man, this conversation's changing, what gets you most excited? Ooh, this is such a, <laughs> such a big word, but I love the word revival. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, though, if you look, this world is, I mean, yes, act like physically on fire. I mean, if you look at mm-hmm. just the, the news for a minute, but at the same time, I mean, we've it's weird because we're like so divided, but also so unified at the same time. It's like during coronavirus, have you ever seen the world more unified besides no. like the Olympics? The memes alone <laughs> yeah. like showed you the unification. Yes. It's amazing. And the whole world was like watching each other. It's like, how are you coping? Well, how are you coping? Right. Italy? Oh, I see you guys are singing as an entire yes. apartment complex. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can do yoga with all my neighbors right yeah. in my front yard. Outside Zumba classes. Right. So <laughs> cool. And we were just so encouraging and uplifting one another. And then and then all of the racial tension um, sparked back up. Like you said, like an ember. I love that. That was beautiful. Um, and, and it's like, oh shoot, we forgot. 
we forgot we were unified a month ago, yeah. like literally one month, like month to month. We're in, it's an out of control year. And so I would say um, revival gets me excited because it's the world is watching each other right now. Mm-hmm. And what a better opportunity for the church to actually unite because um, we aren't. I mean, there's like different orthopraxy based off of orthodoxy. And so that's divi- like divisive. And then you've got like the different opinions on racial division. Yeah. It's just like our churches are segregated, but that's a lot because of preference now but because of history and it's like oh shoot the odds are stacked really against us but the bible and so it's like what does it look like for us to go this is our chance church like we might have varying and differing opinions but we can do this and love that the world can know who the lord is through the way that we love each other i'm with you i'm like ready to go i don't know about you but i'm ready for some revival um can we just stop for a second you said the word orthopraxy and i was like what (laughs) It's the way that you live out. I mean, I'm sure I'd figure it out at some yeah. point, but I was so intimidated when she said that. I was like, oh my goodness. But what are you hoping women feel? So we've talked a lot about what we think. And then what do you hope they walk away feeling from this? Yeah, two words. Confident. Um, confident in that you already know exactly what to do. Like believers, we are set apart and different because of the way we love one another. And that is, this is the the time to practice loving each other. And so I hope you feel confident that you already know what to do and um, to start having conversations because it, it's time to just start. Mm-hmm. It's just time to start embracing where our country has been and where we're at now and how to move forward. So feel confident and then also responsible. Um, mm. Feel responsible for this. Like as a believer, we cannot do this without each other. Like we are supposed to be unified and linking arms and doing this together together. But we cannot do this together unless we have relationships with each other. So, Second mm. Corinthians 5 um, starts off in verse 17. It, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. I mean, ladies, if there's anything I feel like I want us to be left with today, you are an ambassador of Christ. And you are someone who, if you have trusted in him as your saving grace, you have been reconciled and made right. You have been justified with a holy God in your sinful heart. And the reason you still have breath in your lungs is because God isn't finished with your ministry of reconciliation. And so first to the Lord and then to one another, that is what we're put on this earth to do. And so if anything, I just pray that you leave today feeling reignited, uh, re-inspired and recommitted and confident. I love that you said confident because the Lord tells us to approach his throne of grace with confidence. We are not wilting lilies. We have been made in the image, the Imago Dei of a God who adores us. And so because of that, we get to walk strong into whatever faces us next. And so, Elizabeth, thank you for just taking a minute to inspire me and prayerfully inspire others with um, this very specific fight against racism and against um, how Satan might, you know, corner us into inactivity and into fear. And 
I don't know who can come away from this episode not being like, let's go. Let's Ooh. go. <laughs> let's go church. <laughs> so let's go church and let's go ladies of the collective. Guys, we're so glad to have you with us today as we've listened to the just the life and the heart of Elizabeth Hoffman. Um, if there's anything that we can do for you, if there's a way we can pray for you, would you email us? Our email address is collective at watermark.org. Or you can find us on Instagram at watermark underscore collective. It is our heart to serve you. It's our gift to pray for you. And it will be our joy to share the hope and the message of Christ with you. And so would you reach out to us? We love you. Thanks for listening to the Collective Podcast. Tune in again. And until then, serve the church and bless the city. 